quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. We've been on such a long run for real estate assets, but at some point that might not be the case. So educate yourself, expose yourself to different types of investments, not just real estate. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Welcome back, Best Ever listeners. This is our weekly episode of The Roundtable. I am here with Osh. I'm here with Slocum. I'm Travis Watts. And we'll go around and do a real quick intro of who we are. I think we forgot to do that last week. But this is basically a roundtable where we have different topics every week. And we kind of gather our masterminded thoughts, if you will. So got a very exciting episode today. We are talking about financial independence as that pertains to real estate, going over different ideas, strategies, thoughts in general. So thanks so much for being here. Osh, if you want to start, just give the listeners, I know everyone should know you at this point, but in case they don't, a little bit about your background and then we'll follow up with Slocum. Travis, thank you. Best ever listeners, Osh Patel. I've been a full-time commercial real estate investor for over 10 years, and I buy everything that doesn't have residence in it. So any commercial building, warehouse, industrial, retail, medical, land, office, all the non-multifamily assets. Awesome. Slocum. Yep. I'm Slocum Reed, and I am an apartment owner-operator here in Cincinnati, Ohio, primarily residential, a little bit of office rental. And I started as a house hacker just about nine years ago, actually. Nice. Love it. And for those that aren't familiar with me, I'm Travis Watts, and I am a full-time passive investor. So I'm a limited partner, mostly in multifamily syndications. Also work with Joe Fairless at Ashcroft Capital, multifamily syndication firm. So we've got a very diverse background. I'm sure we've got a lot of overlap too in all of our experience. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And as I mentioned briefly at the beginning of the episode, I think a lot of people are interested in real estate to begin with to build up financial freedom over time. There's been a lot of books written on the subject. There's a lot of conferences and trainings and mentorship things that you can join. So let's pool that together. And I guess let's start by talking about investing strategies. So different paths to what I call FI, financial independence, and what strategies you deploy personally, what you've seen work for other people. We're all co-host of the Best Ever podcast. So we've had a lot of experience talking to other people as well. So no specific script here. Let's just kind of go off script with some general thoughts and things like that. So Sloka, if you want to kick us off and just share anything and everything on the topic of investing strategies. Totally. Thanks, Travis. In preparation for this conversation, I was thinking back to one of the sequels to Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I said I got into real estate investing as a house hacker. One of the things that Robert Kiyosaki talks about when he explains how to invest or how he invests to increase his lifestyle, which is something that a lot of people are considering, instead of going out and buying the Porsche, to use Kiyosaki's example, save the money to buy an asset that produces the cash flow that pays for the Porsche. Coming from a larger scale mindset with a more sophisticated audience like the best ever listeners, that's effectively 
what house hackers are doing is they're buying an asset that covers some of their living expenses. As a real estate agent, and now I myself, I have bought effectively an office building to put my office in that also has rental space that I'll be able to use to cover the cost of having my own private office in my own neighborhood, a few blocks, nice walk from my house. So speaking with regards to financial independence and understanding effectively the expense that your lifestyle costs, as an active investor, you can buy assets that will begin to cover that cost with cash flow and get to the point where you gain financial independence when your cash flow covers those living expenses. 100% love that. A couple of things to piggyback off of that. I think a lot of us got in the real estate game in one way or another because of Robert Kiyosaki's words of real estate. Funny thing is though, Rich Dad, Poor Dad really isn't a real estate book. So it's right. more of kind of an accounting book, but it definitely opens your mind to thinking about taxes and cash flow and, and to your point. So very cool, man. I, I like to hear that stuff. So Ash, general thoughts on just investing strategies, either things that you've done personally or to piggyback off what Slocum said or what you see a lot of people doing these days. I'll get into investing strategies, but I want to talk about financial independence. I think when we're young, our version of financial independence or our definition is we don't have to work. And you want to sit on an island in Mexico and never have to worry about money. And maybe that's some people's definition of financial independence. For me, it was getting out of the corporate grind. I did it for 15 years did well at it, but never enjoyed it, was never passionate about it. So to me, financial independence was working for myself or doing what I love doing and not having to wake up and report into a corporate job and play politics and fight for promotions that are well-deserved. So even today, I am a full-time commercial real estate investor. I often work 12-hour days, but I consider myself financially independent. My wife is the same thing. She absolutely loves what she does. And I've asked her, I'm like, why do you work? Why don't you stay home? Like, you don't need to work, find something else to do, do what you enjoy doing. And her response is always, I love what I do. I want to do this. So to me, that's financial independence when you're doing what you love. And I don't think sitting on an island is going to be as enjoyable as taking down real estate deals. And in terms of strategy and investments, I've done both and I continue to do both in terms of active and passive investments. I started out actively investing in my own deals and never stopped. But when I found out about real estate syndications, I thought, man, what a great way to grow money. And later found out there's some great tax consequences that come along with that as well. So now what makes the determination of an active or a passive return or investment rather is the returns. So right now, multifamily passive returns are a lot lower than they were seven years ago when I started. My own returns are much higher in commercial assets. When that tide shifts, if it does, I'll reconsider passive investments. Love it. You mentioned some awesome things. Anyone who's ever followed, for example, one of many examples, Kevin O'Leary talks about when he became a billionaire and how he took this time off and he traveled the world. And to your point, he wanted to visit all the major beaches across the world or something like this. And he gets bored like a month into it. And he's like, God, I got to get back and I got to build a business. I got to do something. So my saying is always that 
passive income can allow you to focus more time and energy on the things you love and outsource or spend less time on the things that you don't. So to your point, yeah, some people want to work forever. Other people do want to take a year or two off. Some people want to travel. Others just want to launch a business, be more charitable, things like that. So what comes to mind when I think about financial independence is the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. And I know last episode, we briefly hit on this, but I was always kind of part of this movement without even realizing it. And it's kind of this core concept that you're earning money actively in most cases, your highest and best earning potential, you're saving very heavily. I had like a 70% savings rate for many, many years. And I was putting all of that into real estate to build passive income so that to your point, Ash, I could outsource number one, the job I had, which was working in the oil industry, which I really didn't enjoy. So the freedom was all about being able to pivot careers, being able to work with Joe Fairless at Ashcroft, being able to work with investors and be on stage and do conferences and do educational training and stuff like that. That was really where my passion was. So to me, that's kind of how I see it. And I guess let's dive into, I won't take too long on that answer myself, but let's dive into the next segment, which is about the pros and the cons, as you just alluded to, Ash, of active and passive investing. Again, whether it's your own experience or just general thoughts, Slocum, you want to start us on that question? Sure. So the first thing that comes to mind and to part of the point of what you're saying about Kevin O'Leary and what Ash was saying about finding what you love, a lot of people are attracted to active investing because they develop a passion for it. And when you find what you love doing, you absolutely ought to do it, especially when it's lucrative and you're adding value to others and receiving value in return for your work. One of the biggest differences that I see Recognizing also that active apartment investing is a skill that I've been developing for years. So I'm not saying this as a newbie. A big difference for me is control. I was just actually at a lunch meeting with a business partner discussing this. And he said one of the concerns he has about being a passive investor is that in the event that we were headed into a recession, someone else is deciding when to sell the building and not him. And he knows that if it were his call, considering it's apartment investing, and these are assets that should produce cash flow or at least cover expenses through a recession, that he would rather just write it out. And being an active investor gives him the ability to have the control to dictate what happens with the asset when it gets sold. What storms do you weather? What storms do you skip out on? We'll call it there. Control is one of the bigger differences between active and passing investing. 100%. Love that. Ash, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I agree with Slocum, but I have the opposite verdict. I would rather the people that I'm investing passively in make those decisions. So my passive investments have solely been limited to Ashcroft Capital. I have no affiliation other than I'm a podcast host for Ashcroft and I'm an investor, not on their payroll, not anyway affiliated with them but I've invested in about a dozen or so of their deals. And I know the decisions that they make are probably way better than ones that I would make. So I'm fully entrusting my money passively to them. And I don't want to hear about it. Just make the payments, give the returns out, sell whenever. And I've seen when they've gone through some trials and tribulations, the big freeze in Texas, they've had fires in some of their apartment complexes and they've always come out ahead. So to me, I trust their decision-making fully. 
And if it's a passive investment, I don't want to hear about it. I want it out of sight, out of mind. So I don't want the control. I'd rather the experts have the control on that. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. When it comes to scaling your real estate business, is lack of capital holding you back? Raising private capital on demand can be a major challenge, but you can get the knowledge and tools you need to succeed when you attend Dana Cornell's four-week Raise Capital Masterclass Live. After starting out with no capital or relationships, Dana has raised over $1 billion twice in the past 20 years, and he has made it his mission to share the best of what he's learned with business owners and investors like you. You can learn more at danacornell.com forward slash best ever. Dana's Raise Capital Masterclass Live allows you to immediately unlock and raise capital on demand, drastically increasing your business's growth. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, go to danacornell.com forward slash best ever to enroll today. Are you a real estate investor looking to break in the multifamily? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 23rd through 25th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from high-level apartment investing experts while networking with over 700 investors. If that's not enough for you, Shaq, yes, Shaquille O'Neal, Barbara Corcoran, Jocko Willink will be there as well. Be sure to secure your tickets at mfincon.com to find out more. VIP ticket holders can rub shoulders with these high-level speakers after their sessions. For details on sponsorship opportunities and tickets, visit mfincon.com. Use the promo code BESTEVER and get $200 off your tickets. That's mfincon.com, promo code BESTEVER. You bring up probably the most valid point, right? If you're the type of person that says, I have to have control, I need to make the decisions, I feel like I can do it best, then being an LP in a deal is probably not for you. <laughs> I mean, first and foremost, on the flip side, my experience was about six and a half years actively and now about seven years passively full time. So I'm kind of like a 50 50 mix. And what ended up happening in my experience as an active investor is I started getting very overwhelmed and very stressed out because the more properties I would acquire, the more problems I had. And I had tenants calling me and I had property managers that would quit on me. And I'm always trying to find new deals. I'm working 100 hours a week in the oil field. It was just a disaster. It was totally a recipe for disaster. And I fully recognize that was my circumstances. Those were my issues. That doesn't mean anybody listening that you shouldn't be an active investor or anything like that. It's just that I didn't find it very scalable at a certain point, And I just found myself kind of caved in. So yeah, to your point, Ash and Slocum, this is where I relinquished control and said, you know, you can't beat them, join them, I guess. That's a general philosophy. These guys have a track record of doing this professionally and day to day. It's their passion. And it certainly isn't my passion. And I certainly can't compete at those levels. So long story short, I just converted my active into passive over time. So good stuff, you guys. I appreciate you sharing. I'd like to make another point here because you guys are both making excellent points about when it comes to seeding control over your capital to a proven professional in the industry. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'd like to weigh that control against a couple of other factors. One of them being that investing passive is very capital intensive. So I know that we have best ever listeners who are 
developing their skill sets, becoming more sophisticated when it comes to commercial real estate investing, but may not have the capital to deploy passively in these kinds of deals, or at least not enough capital to develop the kinds of returns or the kinds of cash flow and lifestyle that they want. So let's keep in mind that passive investing is capital dependent. And I was saying, I'm not taking the perspective of a new investor when I say that being active gives you more control and having control is better. I'm the guy who has dealt with a lot of those things within my portfolio that Ash mentioned, and I've come out the other end better myself. I'm in a position where I can handle control. Another thing is the returns that are available through active investing are less capped than the returns that are available through passive investing. They require work, but the ability to turn over your money, develop cash flow. One of the things that Ash said is that in the last few years, he watched his ability to produce a return investing actively in commercial non-residential outpaced his ability to earn investing passively. And I'm willing to wager, Ash, please fill in here. That's not just because of the switch in asset class within commercial real estate. It's also because you're the one putting the deals together and doing a lot of that work, isn't it? It is in sharpening my skills over the last 10 years. So to that point, and a great point, the three of us are on different stratospheres and then we have one in the middle. So Travis is primarily a passive investor. Slocum is primarily an active investor. And here I am doing both. So a great contrast between the three of us. And it comes down to what is it that we're looking for? Travis wants the freedom. Travis wants to not be inundated. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm speaking for you. But Travis doesn't want to be inundated by tenant calls and spending time looking for deals and all the headaches that come along with it. Whereas Slocum wants the high returns. He wants to kill it. He wants to put the time in. He wants to grow his network, his skills, his capital. And I'm a little bit in between, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Couldn't agree more. And that's the beauty of all of this, right? At the end of the day, what I'm really an advocate for beyond all is just investing in general. I just think people should invest. <laughs> if your thing is stocks or crypto or whatever it is, you go do you. Get educated. Don't take unnecessary risks, but do try to do your best to get ahead because I think we're all ultimately trying to achieve for the same thing, which is the topic of this conversation. It's financial independence. So Slocum, great point. Okay, I've been asked this question before, right? Travis, if you started over on day one again, would you be a passive investor? No, for the reasons that you guys are talking about. I had short-term rentals too. I did house hacking. I didn't do the wholesaling business, but I had cash flow that was 20, 25% on some of my deals. Actively, I did flips where I'm doubling money in a very short amount of time. The ROI was exceptional. And generally speaking, to your point, a passive deal isn't going to be that, especially not in 2022. However, when you understand what it is you need for your lifestyle expenses, and you have the capital to go deploy out there. There's a lot of doctors and dentists and attorneys and pro athletes and actors, actresses, a lot of people that have wealth to go deploy and invest. Even if you ran some very conservative math on it and you said, well, I'm just going to get like a six or seven or 8% cash flow, that might end up being 300, 400,000 per year for some people. So for them, that might be enough, but they had to build to that point doing something. And so that kind of gets back to 
what I was explaining about the fire movement, earn as much as you can earn actively with your highest invest until you have a nest egg to go deploy. And then maybe passive income makes sense for you. I think most of us end up in our 60s and 70s as some version of a passive investor, even if you think that having a 401k and IRA and, and fixed income from the government, I mean, that's kind of hands off, isn't it? So <laughs> I think we're, we're all heading that direction to that goal in one form or another. Yeah, Travis, thank you for introducing me to the term fire. I'd never heard that before you brought it up. But I think it's important to identify and define what financial independence means and define what retire early means. So for me, if I'm retired or not, I'm still taking down deals. I don't care how old I am. If I still have the ability to take deals down, I'm doing it. So I think it's important to know what financial independence means to you and what retiring early means to you. 100%. 100%. One last thing to caveat on, on something else that you said earlier is I think you had it spot on in terms of my wife and I, we like to travel a ton. We don't like to be tied down to one area. We've moved, historically speaking, quite a bit just to experience new ways of living. We've lived downtown in the suburbs and different states. So having an active business to run in one particular place would limit our ability to do that kind of stuff. So for us, it's very much about a lifestyle. But if you're not someone that's interested in those kinds of things, then that really doesn't do much for you. So that's an excellent point. I appreciate you guys bringing that up. So let's transition into some best and worst experiences or just any kind of stories just kind of to help the audience with things you've seen or things you've done and feel free to to flaunt on your strategy and why you think it's best or to say you've tried some other things that didn't work out well and here's why. Whatever you want to take it, Slocum, you want to kick us off? Sure. Most of my investing is summarized in the Burr strategy, the term popularized by bigger pockets, the acronym buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And also back to Kiyosaki again, he was the first person I ever heard or read who said that you make money when you buy. That's absolutely the case. I don't have properties that I've purchased that I regret. There are some things that hindsight being 2020, of course, I should have bought, but I didn't. I would say that buying right has been one of the best things that I've done, putting myself in a position to force appreciation, get my capital back, sometimes extra, and have the cash flow and the equity. Love that. Ash? Real estate people, for whatever reason, always have some sort of blinders on. Now, whether that's multifamily people not looking at other asset classes or real estate people in general, not looking at alternative investing. So I invest in a lot of startup companies and some of them go to zero. Some of them have huge returns. When the stock market crashed and the COVID crash, right? Put a bunch of money in stock. So keep your eyes open for opportunities all around you. And it doesn't have to be real estate centric. Granted, that might be hard to do because we've been on such a long run for real estate assets, but at some point that might not be the case. So educate yourself, expose yourself to different types of investments, not just real estate. I love that advice. And what I talk about on the podcast, the Actively Passive show all the time is not to suggest necessarily anybody follow what I do specifically, but I do this 80-20 thing where I'm investing 80% in things that 
I know and understand best that fundamentally they make a lot of sense to me. I tend to just know what I'm doing with those investments. I also allocate 20% into totally experimenting, to your point, startup ventures, cryptocurrency, other asset types, note lending, publicly traded REITs, because to your point, there probably will come a time, and I say this too all the time, if multifamily LP returns get to the point in 10, 15 years where we're clipping a 2% annualized coupon or something crazy like that, well, that may not make sense anymore. You know, if I can go put my money in the bank and get 6% or buy a US treasury bond or something like that and have a higher yield, it may not make a lot of sense. So yeah, you don't want to chase things off a cliff. You don't want to be a one trick pony. And one of the first things I had done when I left the oil field, when I first hit that initial FI number, is I went to go work for a huge brokerage firm. I got licensed and I wanted to learn stocks, bonds, and mutual funds for this reason. I thought, Real estate's great. I've already seen the power of it, but I don't want to be a one-trick pony. I've got to be able to pivot and understand other things. So back to everybody's point, I think, is that you do you, and you may want to work forever and even with financial independence. And I think a lot of people fall in that category. So great stuff, you guys. I, I truly appreciate you sharing your opinions. Do you guys have any kind of closing thoughts before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, Slocum, we have to do a deep dive on Travis he seems like the most disciplined investor I've ever come across. <laughs> right. We got to get inside sure. your head. I don't know about that. If you guys haven't watched the new documentary that came out about Carl Icahn, I would say that guy beats me by a long shot. <laughs> yeah, no, but, fun episode, man. Great talking to you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, great catching up. Thank you guys for your input. Best ever listeners, thanks so much for tuning into this week's roundtable. We will see you next time. I don't know who's hosting next time, but it's going to be a great episode. So we'll see you then. Have a best ever week.